0: Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and this is the podcast from Outside in Music, where we chat with artists who are putting out new music. And today we're chatting with New York trombonist, composer, educator, extraordinaire, and all around great guy, James Hall. James and I met a few years ago, and I was really intrigued by his first project, uh, Thousand Rooms Quartet, and it was a really interesting adventure through his musical identity, and he's continued to develop new ideas and new thoughts and new musical concepts, and he, that has coalesced in this new release uh, that came out just a few days ago on February the 9th, 2018, and that project, again, is called Lattice. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere, anywhere that you like to listen to music, and you can hear the conversation I had with James about that music right here. All right, today we're here with James Hall, a great trombonist, and he just released his latest album, Lattice, on Friday, February 9th, and so thanks for chatting with us tonight, James.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: We're really excited that the album's out, finally, after months of preparation, and uh, so why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself, how you came to You know to new york and how you came to release lattice
1: yeah well it's it's been i mean you mentioned months but it's really been years in the making um as these projects can sometimes be um i started composing this music probably three years ago um and um you know piece by piece it kind of came together and um uh it's been a really exciting process i um I came to New York via, um, I'm from Nebraska originally, uh, went to school, undergrad in Wisconsin at the Lawrence Conservatory of Music, studying with, um, Fred Sturm and a great program up there, and then, um, moved to Europe for a few years after that, um, to study with Ed Newmeister, who's always kind of been my hero, um, and a model in terms of what I think, you know, 20th and 21st century trombone playing and improvising and composing can be, um, and, um, and then made my way to New York to do my master's degree at Queens College and um, get into the scene here. I sort of um, all the other places I had lived, I felt like um, the fish pond ratio was was different. So you know, if you're in a small town, you can be a big fish in a small pond, um, and. After a certain point, you, you can sort of feel like, well, I'm doing okay, but I think I'm just going to plateau here unless I find a bigger pond. So the biggest pond there is is New York. So um, here I am um, tr- struggling to swim. Um, but uh, but it's been really fun. And the cool part about being here, of course, is I know you know, is the collaborators are just amazing. Um, you know, I've lived um, – I feel like when I was living in Europe, um, you know – the number of um, talented collaborators was was pretty limited. You know, there's certainly some fantastic players over there, but I feel like um, the number of you know world class collaborators I had over there um, in the entire in an entire country are about the same as I have within about a ten block radius here in Brooklyn. Um, so to be able to play with people like um, like Jamie and Deanna and Alan and uh, Tom. And Sherelle is uh, really a, a dream come true, and it's exactly why I moved here in the first place.
0: That's really interesting. I wonder, why do you think that is? Because I feel like Europe has such a strong musical heritage. Why do you think that it's more concentrated in New York than, than Europe? I guess it's well, specifically in this type of music. But
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly genre-specific, and there's there's certainly a lore about New York that circulates even today, and in jazz circles um you know despite all the difficulties and the cost of living here and all that sort of thing um you know maybe it won't be that case forever um but um i certainly i I don't want to poo-poo the european scene either because i really loved it and i loved the openness to experimentation and the support that i had um for my work over there and i had some awesome collaborators over there too um when i was living in vienna um folks like viola foul who's still doing awesome stuff with her quintets and um and all the folks that i was playing with over there um but uh but yeah it's just it's just volume it's sheer volume of great players um and certainly um certainly there's european players that make up what is so great about the new york scene here today too so um it's it's just just a ton and it's fun it, it it's one of those things you realize when somebody you know, uh, has to cancel on a gig, and you have to call somebody you don't know, and you get a list of ten drummers' names. You start calling down the list, and you get to the seventh person who's available, and kind of take a chance. And they show up for the gig, and they read the thing down with no problem at a world class level, and you just think, "Wow, what are the other six guys like?" You know.
0: <laughs> totally. So, and you mentioned some of the names a minute ago that are on the record, but could you introduce everyone to the, all the musicians that are on Lattice?
1: yeah definitely. Well, I'll start sort of in in score order here. Um, Jamie Baum, I'm really fortunate to be playing with her on this album. Um, she um, I, I sort of became familiar with her music through the New York scene a couple of years ago and I had wanted to do a an album with trombone and flute ever since I heard Herbie Cancock's. Speak Like a Child um, album from 1968, where he's got bass trombone and alto flute and flugelhorn. I just love the blend of those instruments and counterpoint. So, I started asking around about flute players, and you know, had a couple of folks tell me, "Well, you know, if if you can get her, Jamie, Jamie is amazing, but I don't know if she'll be, I don't know if you'll be able to get her to play on your stuff." But sure enough, I called her, and she was a fellow fan of um, Speak Like a Child and. Started playing some sessions, and um, eventually some gigs, and then we did a little mini tour last fall, um, leading up to the recording session. And she's just been um, an awesome anchor for the group, um, her sound and her approach, and you know the counterpoint that's formed when we're playing together has just been a centerpiece of what this project is all about. Um, and then um, uh, Deanna Witkowski um, is uh, has been a friend for. A while now as well in New York and um she her playing on piano and Rhodes just been stellar um I met her at the release of my last album actually um a mutual friend had sort of recommended my previous project to her and so I met her at the uh, at the release and we started talking and um you know that was the start of a um a great um collegial you know musical relationship so um then uh tom de carlo is recommended for, uh, by jamie baum um and he's does a great job in the album as well and alan mednard as i know you know too um met by playing in the in postmodern jukebox which um i'm never really sure what to call the genre um
0: <laughs> uh, YouTube. <laughs> pop, pop
1: jazz something youtube yeah. viral sensation band so you know it's I, I, I spent you know, several weeks on tour with Alan, hearing him just play basic sort of boom-chuck, boom-chuck, boom-chuck things night after night, not thinking much of it. And then um, uh, we were talking in the bus one day, and he talked about getting uh, called to play on a gig with uh, Kurt Rosenwinkel, who he's, I think, toured with a little bit. And I said, whoa, this guy that's been playing backbeats with me the whole time is actually a really heavy jazz player. So, (laughs) So, you know, from there I was like, well, we got to play a session. And so we did some reading sessions and, um, started playing some gigs. And again, yeah, he was with us on our, our short tour in the fall and, uh, did an awesome job in the, in the studio as well. His, his playing is really, um, extroverted and it takes risks. And that was a really great addition to the quintet. Um, uh, my, my style of playing and writing can be, um, maybe introspective, uh, is how I'd call it. And, and he really adds a jolt of energy to it. And that's been really fun. Um, and then lastly, uh, Sherelle Cassidy, um, she's, uh, been living abroad on and off last few years, but, um, when she's in town, we've been able to rope her into playing as a third, horn voice Um, so she's played some gigs with us and was um, luckily in town for the recording as well so there's two tunes on which she's um, sort of a special guest um, adds a little bit of thickness to the texture giving us a third melody voice um, and not unlike alan um, has a real energy to her soloing that's been a really great um, added flavor to the group
0: yeah it's a great band so what would you say, or, you know, I guess this is kind of a musical question, and how would you describe kind of writing for this ensemble, uh, especially with the flute and, and the alto and the trombone? It's an unusual, you know, instrumentation. I know you said you drew some inspiration from Herbie, but how did you kind of develop the band concept and sound, you know, for this? Yeah, street?
1: well, um, some of the inspiration was a lot of the music I've been that I play in New York is, really loud music. You know, it's a live music town. I play, I play salsa gigs and all kinds of things that are where you have to really blast. And so I wanted some, you know, when I do my, my own projects, I like to do a contrast to that. So something more intimate, something um, requiring, you know, some delicacy. And so um, the idea of um, flute um, appealed to me in that way, but also um, just the kind of the warmth of the flute Um and particularly the alto flute, um, because, you know, when we started the project, Jamie was playing mostly just regular soprano flute, and I think on one tune, she brought out the alto just for fun, and I really love the sound of it. So I sort of gradually started transcribing more and more of the tunes for alto flute, where um, uh, just to take advantage of that dark color. And, um, uh, you know, the challenges are, you know, f- flute has to be amplified to, to match the the volume of the trombone in most of the situations i'm playing in um you know if we were playing classical music in a silent you know concert hall it would be one thing but um to play in a jazz club with a trombonist and a flute player it takes a certain yeah you have to be aware of the relative dynamic ranges and things so um that's always you know we definitely take extra care when we do sound checks for this group and um, um and fortunately, Jamie has a great—you know—she has a great setup and a great sense for um, her sound. And um, you know, she brings a, a great—you know—amp um, and sort of mic setup with her where she goes. So um, we know that the the quality of her sound is not going to suffer by the amplification. That's that sort of thing. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it definitely takes a different sensitivity than if I was just going to do a trombone, trumpet front line, say. Um, And it also, um, you know, obviously I write different for flute than I would write for um, brass, Um, so there's a lot more things um, like approach notes and little almost classical gestures, um, little turns and things, um, little grace notes that um, I associate with, you know, flute writing. Um, that sort of then bled into the trombone writing, so it became a challenge for me to to execute some of those as well. So, um, it was a fun process. It, it's one of those things that um, because I hadn't done much writing for flute before, um, it forced me out of my comfort zone. And by forcing my composition hand out of the comfort zone, it also forced my trombone playing hand out of its comfort zone. So, you know, had a had a good uh, it exercised a good challenge on me, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think if I had ever written for flute either, and I would say no. (laughs) And uh, I can only only imagine. But um, So to me, something that I really admire about you and your music is kind of how it's evolved and changed. Your last project was something totally and completely different. So maybe you could give a little bit about that project just so people can go and check it out. So maybe they can see the the transition from there to here. And I know maybe you were just trying to do something different or maybe there was kind of a thread that led you there I'm just curious about that
1: yeah my first project was called Thousand Rooms Quartet and what I did is it it was a trombone piano drum set and then a classical baritone vocalist and I wrote original poetry settings of contemporary poets so living poets um, who were living in or had lived in New York Um, and uh, it it was it was a trip it was kind of um, it was my first release and I kind of decided I wanted it to, to be sort of an artistic statement piece, um, rather than say something commercially viable at all. Sure. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was a blast to make. Um, it was, you know, for one piece, I just recorded a poet, uh, speaking, um, her own poem and then transcribed that and made that the melody. And I was just trying all kinds of different techniques to force my hand in different ways. And, um, it was a blast, um, after that project, I felt like um, I had um, exercised some muscles, and I felt like the next thing I wanted to do, um, I, I needed to um, uh, polish and sort of really give birth to the instrumental music I'd been writing the whole time. So, you know, I've, as a trombonist, growing up and going to a jazz school and doing all that stuff, you over the over the years the principal thing you practice is writing instrumental music. You write for big band, you write for combo, you um, you do all that sort of stuff. And I felt like I needed to have an outing of that music um, publicly because I'd been working on it so long. And I also sort of felt like I wanted to veer back a little more, um, maybe not mainstream because jazz isn't really mainstream anymore, but um, uh, sort of uh, harmonies that might be a little bit more familiar and um, like rhythmic textures that people might identify more readily as jazz and um, and so that was that was part of the, the change in direction for this album I sort of um, I guess there's multiple schools of thought on how to um, how to build a career in in music these days um, you know there's certain some certainly something to be said for a um, an oove that, evolves in a you know predictable or identifiable way so you know you've always got your stamp and your brand and your sound um i i'm a little too restless for that um Mm -hmm. and i think um as soon as i've you know written an album's worth of music and rehearsed it and played it out a few times and recorded it and um done that sort of thing i'm really ready for something new and so um i i sort of anticipate that anytime i release something and give it that outing um a a change in direction is soon to follow
0: (laughs) gotcha so i know this is your second record and probably almost a completely different experience from the first to the second but i'm wondering uh now that you've done two albums and you're you know they're about they had just just come out uh if you could offer any advice to maybe some musicians that are thinking about putting together a project or putting together recording specifically that haven't done it and how your experience could benefit them.
1: Yeah. I would just say, um, uh, start with little, um, smaller projects. So I'm really glad that my first time in a, you know, in a recording studio, um, wasn't when I was, tracking my what would become my final album there were a lot of sort of little mini projects along the way um, whether for myself or for others um, that I could get acquainted with the studio experience and with what it means to be in be there for a day and um and then listen to yourself and be not satisfied with it and then go back and edit or re- retake and things like that um, uh, you know I would to a younger player I would say you know Go grab a ha, half a day at a studio, and you know, record some stuff just for your own purposes, or just for streaming, or just for you know something casual at first, and see see how you think it is. And um, you know, by the time you're ready to do a um, a more ambitious project like an like an album, um, uh, physical distribution, things like that, that you really feel confident about your studio game and confident about that the sound that's that you hear in your head is going to bear some resemblance to what ends up on people's speakers at the other end of the process.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And so why don't you give us a little window into the rest of your life? You know, you've got this album and ju- just coming out and you're doing your own original music, but what else, what else are you involved with these days?
1: Yeah. Um, I am, uh, I'm working at a uh, third street music school settlement, um, which has, a been a great, um, uh, a great thing we're we're bringing music and arts education to um underserved communities in new york city um and that includes some trombone instruction believe it or not um i um my my wife is uh, at the museum of modern art and has an exhibition up that people should go check out stephen shore retrospective it's up through may so they they can still go um see that um and uh you know life life is happening too it's like um uh it's funny because the you know you spend x number of hours a week doing music and the other hours in your week are spent doing whatever else is happening in life so things progress side by side and good and bad and everything in between so um it's it's a fun it's certainly been a fun time for me and um, I'm excited to have the have some new work to show for my time and um, excited for whatever's next.
0: Amazing. Well, where it's the best place for people to get the record, listen to the record and connect with you online?
1: Yeah. Well, first stop is my website www.jameshallmusic.com. Um I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um And of course, you know, Outside In will have a a portal as well. So, um, any of those uh, channels is, is great.
0: Awesome. Well, James, thanks for taking some time to chat tonight. Really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks. I'm really excited about the release.
0: And that's James Hall and his new group, Lattice, new record out February 9th, 2018. And if you want to hear that, make sure you go to Spotify or Apple Music or your favorite place to buy music, maybe Amazon, pick up a copy for yourself or get a signed copy perhaps from James at a show coming up in the future. James has some really interesting music and it's definitely worth checking out. And as a side note, he was talking about a great Herbie Hancock album that's also one of my favorites. And it just so happens that the This record is having its 50th year, and it came out in 1968 in 2018. So kind of an unintentional or maybe intentional coincidence, or maybe this is a great reason for you to go and check out both records. So thanks so much for being here. If you haven't checked out the Outside In channels recently, the YouTube channel, the website, the podcasts, of by the other people on our staff, you might want to do that. There's some really interesting things coming out every single week, and we really appreciate you being here to listen. So thanks again, and we'll see you here next week.